Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline DeStremps, here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits that fit your schedule and budget while making your brand stand out in front of your audience. Joining me in the studio today is Tiffany House, a chartered advisor in philanthropy and financial advisor with the Gift Planning Institute, and Lori Shepard, planned giving manager with Arizona Humane Society. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Hello. Hello there. I'm so excited to have you both here today for a couple of different reasons. One, because I knew what I knew there was something out there that existed called gift planning or planned giving, but I never fully understood it. And then Tiffany, you and I met for coffee one day, and I was racking my brain how we were introduced. Do you remember how we... A mutual friend had made the introduction. Okay. I I was just... Yeah. I just was racking my brain. Um, So we met. You told me all about it. I just kept asking all these questions. You were probably like sick of it by the end time. But um, but we had a great conversation. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have you back because I don't think everybody fully understands what planned giving is. So I'm excited to have you here today to talk about that. Thank you. And I'm also excited because we have somebody from Arizona Humane Society here, near and dear to my heart. I started fostering kitties earlier this year. My husband, when he found out you were on the show today, Lori, he said, "She, you better not come home with a cat. <laughs> I had no idea I was supposed to bring cats with me. I would have. I know. I know. That would have been fantastic. All the meowing and head popping on the microphone. There's a lot of cords here. They would have really cords. liked it. I know. <laughs> crinkly papers. It would have been fantastic to listen to afterwards. <laughs> but let's start off um, with a couple of introductions. So, Tiffany, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the Gift Planning Institute. Thank you. Yeah, I started being a financial advisor with my father 19 years ago, and he liked advanced planning strategies to help people with tax uh, issues, help them with tax advantage planning. And there was a part of it that I fell in love with, and that was the charitable planning, where we could create tools and techniques uh, that were a win-win that have been well entrenched in the tax code. And so I took that on into creating my own business to to helping nonprofits, helping them with planned giving programs, helping them interact with their donors and facilitate relationships between the donors and the advisors for more complicated asset gifts. And I do financial planning as well. Great. And then, Lori, why don't you tell us um, a little bit about uh, the Arizona Humane Society and how you got involved as being their, uh, their gift planning manager? Well, a little bit about Arizona Humane Society. That's a tough one to I do know. pretty quick. Um, <laughs> as you know, as a foster, we have so many programs. We have so many amazing programs. You know, we've been part of the Valley since 1957 at our Sunny Slope location, and we're still at that location. So I think many people feel they already know us, but there's so much about us that is is changing every day. Five years ago, uh, Dr. Steve Hansen came on board, and at that time, he's our CEO and president. 
being a companion animal in Maricopa County was, well, it was one of the worst places to be a companion animal in the country. And in that five years, we have really made some significant changes that have turned that around. And now Maricopa County, the Valley, is one of the best places to be a companion animal. And it's because of all the changes Dr. Hansen made, but it's also because of amazing volunteers like, oh, I don't know, our fosters. (laughs) People like that really, really bring a huge change. I think one of the reasons Tiffany and I talked about my coming on here today was that Arizona Humane Society has um, an outstanding planned giving program where a lot of nonprofits do that as an afterthought. Our program started in the 80s, so well before I got there. (laughs) And it has just continually, we've really not stopped pushing and keeping in mind what a valuable resource that is for us. It makes up 30%. Our plan giving revenue makes up 30% wow. of our overall budget, which is outstanding for us. So I'm very blessed. I just moved to the Valley in November of last year and was able to start this position. I've been in fundraising for 20 years, but this has just been a dream. Oh, wow. It's really fantastic. Yeah. So you, you got puppies and kittens in your office <laughs> and you get to connect donors with things they love. I, it's, it's a dream. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll definitely get into some of those, um, the different programs, because I think a lot of people, when they think of the Arizona Humane Society, all they're thinking about is, oh, it's where you go to adopt a cat or a dog or, you know. But what I found when I started fostering a few months back was just the incredible work that you're doing for the um, sick and injured animals and bringing them back to health so that they can then be adopted out and join a home again. So the reason we need fosters like you is because we only, we we focus on the sick, injured, and abused. We had 16,000 animals come through last year and 12,000 of those came through our second chance animal trust, animal animal trauma hospital. And so being able to help those and then have them stay with fosters like Mm -hmm. you until they're ready to be adopted is just fantastic. Well, great. So let's backtrack a little bit just so we can get everybody on the same page here. Uh, Tiffany, let's talk a little bit about then what planned giving, what it is. What exactly is planned giving? And then we'll, you know, talk a little bit too about the benefits of an individual who decides that they want to uh, get started with plan giving and then what the benefits are then on the other side of that to nonprofits. Certainly. And your knowledge about plan giving or lack thereof is really common, actually. There's some great tools and techniques out there. There's simple things that can be done that really empower an organization. Um, It could be, rather than plan giving, I like to call it gift planning because for me, there's two components of gift planning. There's legacy gifts, a gift in your will or your trust. Uh, For example, my husband and I have our estate plan and we have 10% going to nonprofits and we put it in a separate schedule and we told our kids, we have three daughters, that they were only going to get 30% 30% rather than 33 they were like, oh, of course, mom, we know how philanthropic you are. And really, people can make an easy impact by doing such a simple task, by remembering an organization in your will or trust or in your IRA beneficiary designation. Uh, there's just great ways that you can go about doing that. And then the second part of gift planning is asset gifts. When you have assets like real estate or stock or 
other things, businesses, um, they usually appreciate and value, and then they have a tax consequence. And we can really work with nonprofits to uh, donate assets that have a tax consequence, and the nonprofits don't have to pay the taxes on that asset. They can go ahead and sell it, and there becomes a great impact, and there's some tools that create really good win-win scenarios for the donor and for the nonprofit. The only one who ends up losing out is the IRS, but (laughs) I like to give money to nonprofits where I know that they're going to give a dollar with a hand out with a hand up versus the government that will that can give the hand out, but they might not have the tools and the resources to follow up on really making sure that they're going to make the impact in the community with that distribution. So it's really a way then, just like when you're making your donations um, in any other, you know, traditional sense, it's your way of saying, this is a cause that I care about and this is how I want my money to be spent in this way. And the same thing then with the planned giving, uh, it's a way for them to, again, make that designation and say, this is where I want that, that money to go. Exactly. And a lot of people give cash to nonprofits. It's about 85% of the assets that they take in for most nonprofits, not the Humane Society, however. They're quite advanced. Uh, But that's not where people keep their money. Mm -hmm. The majority, they're not sitting on a bunch of cash. They have assets, and those assets have tax consequences when they want to sell it. So it it, it works out to be the perfect way to be able to give and get good advantages. Right. So, Lori, then, on your side of things, then, as the nonprofit, you did mention that um, a couple of a couple of interesting statistics. Arizona Humane Society uh, has been had a planned giving program since you said the eighties. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. um, and it does make up for thirty percent of your um, for your fundraising. So, where? Um, I guess, I, where did, who had that wherewithal back in the 80s then to get in on this? And what are some of those benefits then? Well, to tell you who had the wherewithal, I don't know, yeah. but I'd really <laughs> like to fund, I feel like it was a her. I'd really like to fund her and say thank you. Um, my predecessor used to say somebody had their foot on the gas a long time ago, and that's our job is to keep it there. And I, I love her vision of that because with planned giving, it is out into the future. And so, I have to be thinking not what's going to happen at the end of this fiscal year, but where we're going to be in five years or 10 years and keep that in mind as I'm talking with donors, as I'm talking with people. And and again, as Tiffany is saying, keeping in mind what they need and when they will need it. And I think that's such a great opportunity to bring those two things together. So for Arizona Humane Society, it does make up about 30% uh, of our budget annually. And It allows us to do things. It allows us to have a flexibility to do those programs that you and I were just talking about that we we couldn't do without planned giving Mm -hmm. because we wouldn't know we were going to have that constant steady stream. There's some things that are that are a certain, right? What are we told? Death and taxes are a certain. <laughs> so we know those things are going to happen. For me, when I talk about planned giving, what I always say is it's bittersweet because when we do get a realized gift, it means we've lost a friend, but it means that that friend thought of enough about the future of not only companion animals in the valley, but also what they wanted their legacy of love to be, that they planned ahead for this. I really like that thought about that, the legacy of love for that person and what they had for their community. So 
as you mentioned, it's something that you have to look ahead for. So what are some of the programs then that, say, Arizona Humane Society, you know, has and is possible because of this um, 30% of your budget and that coming from these planned gifts? Well, it touches every part of our operating that we have. Um, so I was saying a moment ago that last year we had 16,000 animals that, have, that, that, come, that came through our doors last year. On average, it costs just over $1,000 per animal, particularly when they come in and they've been injured, they have an issue, and they're going to come in through our second chance animal, as I talked about, or our uh, emergency animal medical technicians. You may have seen them on animal on animal cops. Uh-huh. Um, so you might recognize some of them around town if you saw them. Because we have so many of those programs, knowing that we have this steady stream, this constant, it really allows us to be flexible and do other things. Um, we have so many great programs like our maternity suites. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that word again in case you missed it. It's <laughs> maternity. We have our kitten ICU, our bottle baby ICU. We have a, a parvo puppy ICU. These programs are all able to be a part of what we do. And why they're so important is these are all things that might have led to euthanasia five years ago mm-hmm. or six years ago. Without these programs, we wouldn't be able to save the animals that we save. And so it, it really, it means a tremendous amount. But it allows us a constant mm-hmm. that is just so important. And it's that consistency then that leads to a sustainable program Absolutely. and a sustainable nonprofit. And, and that's the real key to plan giving is uh, the sustainability of an organization. And you have to, uh, it's kind of said in the industry, if you've been doing a plan giving program for 15 years, you should be able to count on about a third of your budget coming from plan giving. So Arizona Humane Society is a perfect example of that. But it does take the planning and laying the groundwork and and the continuation uh, throughout the nonprofit so that people uh, continue that same type of conversation. And also when you look at changes that we've had lately within the tax code and the standard deduction has gone up much higher, so people are itemizing less. If you didn't know that, don't listen to me. Uh, (laughs) And it's impacting giving. And other things with the estate tax exemption, that's gone up very high. So we really have to look at other ways to be doing fundraising and to creating that sustainable um, mechanism. What a lot of organizations will do is take their plan giving program and make an endowment. And with that endowment, they invest that, and then they take a certain percentage out of that each year for operating budget and that so that they know what they're, what's coming in the future. They know what they can count on. And uh, donors like to give to sustainable organizations. And really, it just starts with a conversation with your donor. Mm-hmm. So what are, um, for nonprofits out there, um, when is it a good time for them to start incorporating planned giving into into their fundraising strategy? Uh, I believe that you can start at any point in time. I do think it's important that 
it's an organization that plans to and has a, a, a built-in structure to be here for the next 10 to 20 years. Because uh, when it comes to a legacy gift, they might not be realized for another five to 10 years. And even if you have somebody who's 85 who leaves you in their will, when you give a gift to a nonprofit, it releases oxytocin, which is the love hormone. <laughs> and nine times out of 10, you just extended their life expectancy another five to 10 years. So it's probably going to be a little bit while longer until you actually realize that gift. But what's great about plan giving as well is that people who, who have made made that commitment in the future are more likely to give gifts today and be more supportive of the organization. And I always want to make sure, too, that there's the legacy portion, but there's also asset gifts that can be recognized today uh, as well with plan giving. The One thing that I talk to a lot of people about is the end of the year, you want to give your gift to a nonprofit. The tax code now has your bigger standard deduction. What about giving stock? And rather than the cash that you were going to give. And your stock hopefully has grown in value and you are going to have to pay taxes on that. So let's say you were going to give a $10,000 gift and uh, instead you give $10,000 of stock. You're still able to deduct the $10,000 as long as it meets within the, the higher standard deduction. But you never have to pay the taxes on that or the taxes on that growth. And the only other way that you can do basis planning is to die. So it's a good <laughs> idea. Go ahead and give it to a nonprofit. So it could take somebody from being able to, you know, cash out that stock, pay the taxes on it, mainly maybe only have seven or eight thousand dollars left over and give it to a nonprofit. Or they could give the stock, get the full market deduction, and they never have to pay taxes on it. And a stock gift is a great gift for a nonprofit. So put that on your wish list. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I, I guess what I found really interesting because um, going back to when I first met with you, Tiffany, my understanding was of um, was planned giving was more of the what happens when you die? Where does you know where do you, uh, where do you leave your money, your assets, or whatever that may be? So learning that it was something that you can actually do right now if you wanted to um, was really fascinating to me because I guess guess that was one of those like aha moments I had with you. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there's so many great tools out there that can be used. It could be a stock gift. You could uh, give life insurance. You could make your own poor man's foundation uh, called a donor advisor. <laughs> fun <laughs> that can help you with taxes. And there's also a lot of income gifts where if you want to secure an income stream for your life, you could give a gift annuity. You could do a charitable remainder trust. You can do this planning now, secure an income stream, and the nonprofit will benefit in the end as well. Just as Tiffany was saying, if you want to extend your life, Definitely buy a gift annuity. A charitable <laughs> gift annuity is an automatic give me that you are going to get another 10 good years. <laughs> Learning so many different, I mean, things I had no idea were going to pop up on today's show. All kinds of good um, tidbits there. This all sounds like something then definitely people are going to want to talk to their financial planner about this. Is this something that is specialized or is this something that any kind of financial planner is going to be able to help out somebody with? 
My goal is to have it be that any financial advisor or tax advisor can have these conversations with their clients and donors, and that nonprofits can have these conversations with their donors or bring in people with a specialty. But I have to say that uh, like a charitable remainder trust has been in the tax code since 1969. And in the past, they've been very favorable. And there's charitable lead trusts, different times, different rates, one's more favorable than the other. But there's been a lack of people really looking to advise clients, or I should say advisors advising clients on some of these more complicated strategies or gifting. And I really have in my heart and soul to make a difference and an impact with that because I get to see the great things that are happening by having planned gifts or gift planning um, done for the donor and for our society. I imagine, uh, Lori, from your perspective, then what's that, um, (laughs) what does that conversation look like then when you're, when you're talking with your donors um, about all other, uh, other things that they can be doing to help out uh, the Arizona Humane Society? What are those, I mean, is that something that comes up in conversation with just any of your donors or is that uh, something then that you, you know, after having a more of a relationship with them then that you're having that conversation? Yes. <laughs> yes to both of those. Yeah. So it really just depends. You know, I might get a call. I got a call this morning from somebody who is not actually an active donor with the Humane Society who was putting us in their trust oh, wow. and wanted to ask me some questions. Right. Um, they had adopted all of their animals from the Humane Society, but they were not active donors. And mm-hmm. and so it opened up a conversation that we had this morning. We had a fantastic uh, call for about an hour. And at the end, she's like, I am so sorry. I said, no, that, that's the best part of my job <laughs> is picking up the phone to this. Um, but you get you get those you you get all across the spectrum. We also might sit down with a long term donor, somebody who is involved in many different ways with AHS. Maybe they've been a foster, maybe they're a long term donor, maybe they're reaching an age where they want to start talking through what are their options, and we might sit down and talk with them about that. Likewise, as we're going into, we're going to be doing a capital campaign that you'll hear about soon enough. As we start talking with those donors, we'll be talking about blended gifts. We'll be talking about those stock options that um, um, that Tiffany was just discussing. So it's really just finding out what the donor's perspective is, finding out what their goals are, and just seeing what we have that meet their goals. For, for all of us on our development team, we're never trying to just get the gift. We're trying to make sure that the gift that they want to give matches what we have that, that will really fit and really help them connect with our organization. Because we know they care. Right. We already know right. that. It's it's the love of animals and we all <laughs> share that. And so we know they care. We just want to be sure that we've done our part on our side to connect them with the gift that they're interested in. So we were talking, uh, Tiffany, you were talking about an income gift. So for somebody, a straight gift might be what they want to do. But for somebody else, they may look and say, well, but I do still need a little bit of income, but I also need this tax advantage. So doing a charitable gift annuity is actually the better fit for them. And so we want to be sure that we've made all of that available to them and that we've really laid it out and made sure they understand. Um, One of the things Tiffany will talk about, I am sure before we sign off today, (laughs) is uh, the the CAP program, um, which she is... uh, 
she is a CAP and I am in the class. So a little plug for that is that being in that class, either as a nonprofit professional or as a financial advisor, gives us the language and the tools to help connect people to the gifts they want to make. And the the CAP program is the Chartered Advisor and Philanthropy Program. And that's really designed uh, to bring together all aspects because when you look at a planned gift, especially if it's of significant size, you want to have the team of advisors there. Uh, You want the nonprofit there to make sure that they can take that type of gift, that it's something that they can accomplish the donor's wishes and that it's going to be in line with what they want. When you're looking at tax advantages, you want to make sure that there are uh, tax advisors involved in it so that they can utilize the deduction that they're going to be achieving and just to help maximize that. So the Chartered Advisor and Philanthropy Program uh, encourages uh, tax, legal, and financial advisors, as well as insurance and those within the nonprofit community to all be educated within the multiple disciplines that really come together to help facilitate some of these gifts. Uh, It's an absolutely fabulous program. Uh, It is sponsored by the Arizona Arizona Community Foundation and also the Plan Giving Roundtable of Arizona. We sponsor it together and uh, there's a study group and the study group is where I found some of the most value because you're sitting at the table with people from all the different disciplines going through the material and you're really hearing the backstories and the the real life experiences and the realized gifts and the real family stories. And uh, the Chartered Advisor and Philanthropy Program is very beneficial if you want to learn more about plan giving. It sounds, again, with those stories, being able to hear how it's applied, I think really helps kind of actually, you know, bring that to reality for some people. And if it's somebody that's thinking, well, I probably I probably should know these things. Maybe I should go check this out. It sounds like it would be something then that would kind of turn them into a, oh my gosh, this is the difference that this is making. And this is how I can be a part of it, regardless of what side of the professional spectrum that you're on. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think it's really great to have the experience and to be able to come together and work together as professional advisors because my experience has been with charitable trusts. I've been able to be part of all the different phases of a charitable trust in multiple different scenarios, a lot of business sales, stock sales, the investment real estate that the people are sick of changing toilets in the middle of the night. (laughs) And when you have that kind of experience and you can come together, it really can set the donor at ease because you never want to make anything too complicated right. for them. Right. You want it to be a, a simple and easy process. And I, I really believe in the team approach. And I'm so glad, Lori, that you brought up the Chartered Advisor and Philanthropy Program. Me too, because I didn't want to have to say that entire... Because <laughs> <laughs> I did have that in my notes and I thought, I am really going to mumble through this one, but... No, but thank you. No, because that does it. That was actually going to be one of my questions was like, how does somebody even get more information about this if they're a nonprofit and they're at that point where, like, okay, we're ready to uh, really get into our, you know, to plan giving or we're really into, we know that this is something we want to plan for the sustainability of our nonprofit, really being able to get that information because. I'm sure it sounds like a lot. I mean, right now I'm just going, wow, I'm glad there's other people that can do this because I 
oof, you know, but it, but it's really fascinating. And going back to what you were talking about, Lori, when you were talking about meeting the donor where they are wanting to give, I just love that you have that kind of diversity. Not only do you have that kind of diversity in your other programs that you're offering through the Humane Society, that diversity in volunteer options, but now also to hear that diversity in ways that people can give back. Because that's one of the points that I always try to make to people who do want to give back but feel like they don't have anything to give. I try to point out that everybody has something that they can give in some way, whether it's your time or, you know, volunteering or it's you can give, donate blankets or now it's even expanded past that. Now it's, you know, now you can donate stock. Now you can, you know, do you have some real estate? Um, Whatever that may be. So I really appreciate that you brought that up and talked really about how you want to meet that donor with, that you know that they want to help. It's just a matter of making sure it's a good fit for them. And and just like Tiffany was saying, we want to be sure that we do everything right for them. So when they do want to talk to us about that gift, we want to be sure we're bringing an advisor in. We want to be sure I'm bringing a Tiffany or whoever their trusted advisor mm-hmm. is in to that conversation as well so that they have that eye on that side. I. I always tell a donor, that's a conversation for you and your tax attorney. I'm not going to give you tax advice because that's not what we do. Because it's really important that they look at all aspects of their gift. A good contract is one where everybody walks away happy. I think that about a good donation as well, when everybody walks away happy. So you want to be sure that the donor has really thought through every aspect of what they're doing and and what it's going to look like. And the one group that Tiffany didn't mention that is always on my mind too, is not just the donor, but the donor's family. Mm-hmm. Because if their family ain't happy, trust me, <laughs> they won't be happy. Right, right. <laughs> so you want to be sure that they have engaged with their spouse or their children or their heirs or whoever they're, whoever they need to be engaging with. You want to be sure all of that is happening. Yeah, nobody wants that to be a surprise. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> just like Tiffany said, she sat down. They have right. three daughters. They said, hey, you're getting 30% instead of 33 and, and 0.3%. And they said, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> you want to be sure you've had that as an open conversation. And you will run into some donors that don't want to have that conversation with their kids. And you know right. that a kid is going to be left out or something funky is going on. So whenever that situation comes about and a nonprofit comes to me and asks, I'm a little concerned about this gift. Could the kids come back at me? I say, just have them go sign their estate plan or their gift uh, agreement multiple times, about three months apart. That way it'll stand up in court. <laughs> so just in case, you got to leave your kids well, out. a little legal sign advice there. <laughs> not from, I'm not an attorney though, but <laughs> I just have run into that before and I don't, I, I like to create synergy and harmony and I think that Really, the gift planning can create that within the family. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I find is when, as a financial advisor, when I'm talking to my clients about their gifts, what's important to them, do they want to give, I'm creating a deeper relationship with that client. We're getting to know each other on a different type of level, a much more, a stronger level. And they're also more likely to provide referrals because now we have that connection. They know that I'm dedicated to philanthropy and it's a perfect opportunity to bring in the next generation because many people don't want to talk about their finances with their kids, but they will talk about their philanthropy with their children and the next generations beyond. Uh, So I encourage people to utilize 
philanthropy and tools like a donor advised fund to teach philanthropy to the future generations and have that be a learning lesson in life, not just a benefit for, I find that anybody who gives a gift to a nonprofit gets a huge benefit for themselves, but they need to share that with their family and friends and tell them how impactful that gift is on them and share the joy. Yeah. And going back to your talking about the that relationship, really building that relationship then with your financial advisor, because I imagine that probably isn't something in the first conversation when you first meet them, you know, you're all of a sudden, like, let's cover all of this information. I know for me, I would be like, I don't know quite yet. Let's feel this out a little bit. So one of those things that you want to really look for in a financial advisor, like you said, somebody that you can build that relationship with, especially if you are looking to go down this road and involve your family in that conversation. And for nonprofits that are looking to learn more information, for people who want to consider a gift and meet the right organization that they want to give to, or any of the professionals that might benefit from talking to their clients about plan giving, there's a group called the Plan Giving Roundtable of Arizona. And I'm lucky enough to be the uh, past president of this group. And right now we have Judy Smith from the Arizona Community Foundation as the president. But what this group is intended to do is to bring all the players to the table to be able to facilitate these types of gifts. So if you are a nonprofit and you're looking to uh, expand your uh, professional contacts in the tax, legal, or financial fields, you can come to Plan Giving Roundtable. We do lunch education workshops once a month on the third Tuesday. You're going to get a fabulous education and you're going to meet people who really care and who are already having their those types of conversations with their clients. So the Plan Giving Roundtable is perfect for all people who are interested in any type of gift planning to come get an education, create a network of other people who are close and are well-involved as well. And just further those conversations and the ways that those um, programs can be implemented, like you said, from both sides. Yes. And if you want to find out about Plan Giving Roundtable, it's uh, pgrtaz.org. All right. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And we'll make sure that we get that in the show notes afterwards, too, so people can um, take a look at that. Lori, tell us, uh, so you've had this program then now since the 80s. What are some of the common ways that people then are giving then to your, I guess it's called uh, your legacy circle? It's it's called our legacy circle. And I think that's, it's common. Each each nonprofit is going to have their their own name for it. For ours, it's legacy circle. We are so proud that we have just over 1,800 members in our legacy circle. And um, I should point out that most of those are not realized. And I think we all know when I say realized, what we mean is that those those people are still, most of those 1,800 are still out there with us. And we just love having having them to be part of our, our family and our team. One of the coolest things, I'm going to diverge a little here, that comes with being a Legacy Circle member is that you can enroll your animals in what we call continuing care. It is uh, the exclusive benefit of being in our Legacy Circle. And 
for those who we, we've talked, there's there, some people do pet trusts and they'll do different things, but they're very complicated. And honestly, there's a lot of loopholes in them. So what we created was um, a fail safe or a peace of mind. So if I have left Arizona Humane Society in my will or estate plans, and you were asking what some of the ways that can be as simple as a bequest um, with a set amount of money in my will, or it could be as complicated as going to Tiffany and setting up a, a charitable, oh, I'd like a charitable lead trust. A charitable remainder trust mm-hmm. or any of those things. It can also just be you made us the beneficiary of your IRA. If you've done any of those things, you can enroll your pets in continuing care. And what that is, is should you happen to predecease your pets, they are automatically brought back into us. And then we use a profile that you've created um, that we give you. It's the best part of my whole job um, <laughs> that tells us everything about your pet. So you tell us where they like to sleep, what they, what kind of food they eat. You t- uh, Trust me, people tell us everything. Oh, it's yeah. really fan- I- it's fantastic <laughs> when we get those in. And it's two pages long and people will usually add an extra page or two. And I just love it. They'll say he likes to swim in the mornings, but it's too hot in the afternoon. So you need to, you know, and they tell us everything. And what we do with that then is you know, if you have just predeceased your animal, they're already stressed. They've just yeah. lost their best friend. They don't know exactly what's happening. We bring them in through our foster care program, and we use that profile. Our adoptions team will use that profile to then find their next forever family. And it is a guarantee that you know they're going to be taken care of. And they're going to be taken care of with your wishes in mind from those profiles. And it is just the very best part of our program. It's the very best part of my job is getting those getting those pet profiles in and reading how, you know, and, and realizing that I'm not the only one with neurotic pets. Yeah. <laughs> that really helps me tremendously when I see other people's. But it's such a great, it's such yeah. a great opportunity to just have that peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us say to ourselves, well, I think, my brother-in-law would surely take, but but you don't know. Right. And, right. and to be honest, they might not. Right. And so if you've got that plan in place, it's just a peace of mind of knowing, okay, AHS has got my back on this mm-hmm. and they know exactly what I want because I've told them right. exactly what, right. what should happen. And it, it just it's, it takes a lot of stress off of you, takes a lot of stress off of your companion pet. And it's just a wonderful program. I love that. I love that that's included in that legacy circle um as one of those as one of the benefits because who's i don't know i was i i guess all this while we've been talking about well the benefit of doing this for the nonprofit is you know tax benefits and oh it'll make you feel good but now you're actually you really do have other benefits of becoming part of that legacy circle and it really is a true benefit setting up a trust doing all of those things they're complicated there's a lot of holes in them a lot of times they don't stand up in court a lot of times there's a lot of room for abuse of the animal yeah and so this eliminates all of that and so we're we're just really we're very proud of that program and we're very excited about that program the last foster that i had actually his owner had passed away okay and so that was um Unfortunately, it was unexpected, and the, uh, so it was a different situation. But I mean, he was six years old, little cat, six years old, mm-hmm. and you know, all I could think was, I wish I knew. You know, you wish you knew. Wish I knew why he does this. So he had he passed away, but he wasn't a member of our continuing right. care program, is what I'm right. hearing you say, yeah. because we didn't. So it, it isn't. It is so. I mean, 
I'm just, I'm not going to lie. My dog, Fred, is, he's really neurotic. So I need to be able to write up and tell somebody exactly why he's doing the weird things he's doing. He's 14. He's not going to change now. Right, right. I almost feel like, though, it would be like a daily log. Well, you know, what's really great is that people will give us a call Uh and um, they'll say, hey, I wanted to let you know that I've changed Toby's food. And so I want you to update the continuing care form for me because he's getting an upset stomach. Right. And so the vet put him on this new food. You don't want to and you know what? We go in and we change it and mm-hmm. we love it. We, <laughs> and then people are always like, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. And I'm like, no, this is fantastic. We love it. <laughs> and the other thing is that the chances are you're, you're not going to predecease your pet. I mean, our pets only are with us for a short amount mm-hmm. of time. But there's plenty of room in there for you to add new pets. Right. <laughs> so that's not an issue either. <laughs> so we can always add new pets. We can, unfortunately, people will call me and say, well, take so-and-so out because they passed away. And right. then I immediately go right into the conversation of when are you coming to see us? Yeah. When are you going to come <laughs> over here and take a tour? <laughs> when are we going to walk through the kennels? Yeah. So, but it's it's just, it's a, our pets are an important part of our lives. Mm-hmm. They, they really are family. And so that continuing care gives us an opportunity to let people plan for their whole family. And planning for the future is so important. One thing that I've gotten sometimes from some nonprofits is that they say, oh, but I don't want to talk to my donors about death or I don't want to talk about taxes. And as Lori mentioned, those are the two <laughs> things that you can't avoid in life. And there's a gentleman from the Texas Tech University called, named Russell James, and he's kind of my plan-giving hero. And he did a study. So he's a financial advisor, but he focuses all on charitable planning. And he has a bunch of students where he can kind of go allow them to go do research. And he researched oxytocin. And oxytocin is the love hormone. It makes you feel connected and bonded. And he found that when you tell stories, you release oxytocin in your brain. And also when you give to nonprofits, you release oxytocin. So I try to let everyone know from the professional advisor side and the nonprofit side, when you're talking to your donors or your clients about their wishes beyond the grave, you're allowing them to share stories about their life and you're allowing them to plan out their gifts. You're really giving them a huge benefit. It's not a bad conversation to have. It can be an extremely empowering and generative conversation. Right. And going back to building those relationships, again, the nonprofit building those relationships with their donors. As you mentioned, Lori, you know, you had a conversation with someone who, was that the conversation you had this morning where they actually was a first-time donor? They actually hadn't donated to you before, and now they're already having that conversation with you about that. But they did still have that relationship because they've been you know, adopting pets from you guys for years. But it goes back to, again, building that relationship so it isn't going to be the very first ask, probably, like you get, you know, somebody, <laughs> <Not typically. laughs> somebody sends in a, you know, $150, makes a $150 donation, your follow-up email to them is, thanks for the 150 So when you kick it, you know, can I, <laughs> is there anything else you want to give us? <laughs> um, but again, it goes back to that relationship. So um, I, again, really inter- interesting from the, the nonprofit side of things to hear um, about those conversations that you are having with your donors and the fact that they're calling you up and asking you those questions without you having to do the reaching out really just kind of shows the way that you guys are doing business, I guess, with your donors and volunteers. I mean, just with what, what Tiffany's saying, 
aren't relationships just all that we're doing? It doesn't matter whether that's for-profit business or whether it's nonprofit or whether it's our own interpersonal relationships. Relationships are why we're here, and it's everything that we're accomplishing. It's everything that we're doing, and it's leading us to whatever our next steps are, whatever our next things are. And I, I think... When you, when you get that, the conversations aren't scary. When you get that, the conversations are just a genuine, hey, let me ask you, have you considered this? Well, when you do, come talk to me. I will answer anything that you need me to answer. And I think that makes people feel at ease, whether that's coming from me on the nonprofit side or coming from Tiffany as a financial advisor or an attorney. I think just knowing somebody's out there that understands all of this, because it, it can be complicated and it can be intimidating. And just knowing okay, there's people who do know how to break this down and make it not intimidating, not scary. It's, it's, it's a nice relationship to have. Right. I think once you break it down and really, you know, look, go through the, go through what that process looks like and just even what the options are, I think it makes it a little less intimidating. And I imagine, uh, going back to something you said earlier, Tiffany, when you do sit down with those nonprofits, one, making sure that this is right for them and where they're at um, in the life cycle of their nonprofit, bringing this sort of program in. But also, is it something, are they going to be able to just accept the whole, you know, kit and caboodle of options out there? Or maybe they start with one of the different tools that they, that a donor could use um, for the planned giving. Do they just start small with something like that and then and build on that? And it sounds like then the um, planned giving roundtable of Arizona would be a great place for those nonprofits then if they're going to take those next steps to learn about what those other options are. Well, and what I encourage with nonprofits is to just sit down and have the conversation have the great time with your donor, getting to know them, having them share personal stories, let them know why the Humane Society or their pets are so important to them or the other organizations that they give to as well. And you're really building that that uh, trust and that bond and then be able to talk to them about what they like about the organization, what they don't like about the organization, and then where they see it going in the future. And then asking them if they're willing to take a look at how they can help to do that. And when nonprofits can have that kind of conversation with their donor, they're never going to fail. Because if you're not going to get a planned gift, you're probably going to get a larger major gift or more of an annual gift. And you're creating a stronger relationship and bond with that donor. And it is nice to be able to have their professional advisors or professional advisors or consultants that are associated with the charity or that you know to call upon or can refer out to, and to be able to talk about some more of the specifics. Because when you really look at what assets might be best to give, it takes a a level of experience or expertise to be able to recognize the tax advantages or the benefits of certain types of assets over others. One thing that I think gets missed a lot in our professional advisory community is that IRAs, so your qualified assets that you've never had to pay taxes on, well, guess what? The IRS is going to get it one way or another. So when you have an IRA, that's going to be taxed to the next generation if you were to give it to them, unless you pay the taxes now and convert it to a Roth. And you can use a charitable tool to help that conversion and turn it into a Roth. And that's the best asset to give to a grandkid by far. But if you're not wanting to go ahead and convert it to a Roth, you want to give that away. And we have read, uh, 
legislation now that allows for a qualified charitable distribution. So for those people who are taking required minimum distributions from their IRAs, they can actually give that money straight to the charity, up to $100,000 a year. And what that allows is that keeps them from realizing that income keep, helps them to stay out of tax brackets that they might get bumped up into or having to pay tax on their social security. And they're able to give it straight to the nonprofit. And that's the first asset you want to give away because you don't want to give that to your heirs or your aunt or your cousins or uh, nephews. You want to give that asset to charity. So the qualified charitable distribution is a great way to go about that for any of your IRA or qualified assets. And it's become so favorable. It looks like there's some talk of legislation to reduce the age so that people at 65 could do that as well. That's great. That's just, like I said, it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know and what a great benefit that people could be, one, receiving to, not only are you benefiting yourself, you're benefiting your family and you're benefiting a nonprofit. So it's just a win-win win all around. So that's great. So we're running out of time. And as we wrap up, I want to be sure that um, we cover contact information if somebody wants to reach out and get more information. Um, and also, being that it is uh, the end of the year, a lot of people are talking about giving, ways to give back. So, Lori, I just want to let you have a few moments to talk about um, ways that people can help uh, Arizona Humane Society here during the holiday season. And then, obviously, if they want to get in touch with you about becoming Becoming a member of your uh, legacy circle. Okay, absolutely. Well, how much time did you say we have left? <laughs> so there are so many ways you can right. give. You mentioned some of them just as we were chatting. You can donate to our thrift stores. You can donate straight to um, the organization in in terms of like items like blankets, things like that. Of course, we always take uh, monetary donations. We we, we kind of hit on those a little bit earlier. <laughs> um, and then we do have tons of other ways to give. Tiffany was just talking about IRA, required minimum distributions. That is huge for us and it and it's it's a wonderful way for you to avoid a tax penalty and help um, a charity that you love. So we always are looking for that. And you can call me for that as well as if you're interested in Legacy Circle. If you're interested in learning about continuing care, I'll tell you all about prep profiles. Um, but we we do have a we have a ton of different ways to give. You can go to our website, which is azhumane, H-U-M-A-N-E. Org, and you can check that out. Another fantastic way that you can give back at this time of year is adopt instead of shop. Um, I know a lot of people, Christmas is coming, the holidays are coming, they're going to think about a little fuzzy uh, a little fuzzy love under the tree with a bow on it. But if you're going to do that, really think about adopting. Um, we have some wonderful kitties and some wonderful animals, wonderful doggies um, that would just love to be part of your family. We actually have an adoption event coming up on the 20th and 21st um, next weekend. That will be a really fun, busy, crazy event. <laughs> um, and so you can check that out on our website as well. But there's just, there's so many ways. But you can also volunteer. If, you, if you're setting, for moving past the holidays, if you're setting your New Year's resolutions and one of them is to do more in the community, well, head out to our website and check out our volunteer opportunities as well. Um, we always need fosters, um, like this amazing woman right here. We yes, always we can't need wait people. for January 1st. To <laughs> we come always roll need around. people to take, uh, <laughs> take some fosters and, and let them have a safe place to hang out. Um, mm -hmm. And just, 
recuperate from whatever they've got going on until they're ready to be back in the uh, in the kennels and adopted out. Yeah, I mean, it has been such a great experience and everybody was, you know, I kept getting the question, are you going to adopt? Are you going to keep this one? Are you going to keep this one? And as much as I wish I could, at this time, I'm just like, you know what? I've been able to, now we've fostered three cats. Had I adopted that very first one, I wouldn't have been able to foster the other two. So for me, I'm like, nope, as hard as it is to take them back once they've healed, it's just been such a great experience for us. And as I was uh, mentioning to the ladies on the way in, we're doing, doing a home remodel, which, oh my gosh, can it please be done already? And I just thought a cat probably does not want to be around here for this. So um, we are waiting till after the holidays, but just, I can't wait for January to roll around. I just talked to my new, um, adoption or not adoption, foster. Okay. Your foster coordinator. Coordinator. Mm-hmm. There we go. They just changed things up a little bit. Just talked to her the other day and I said, I've been purposely staying off of the website <laughs> because that's what I would do. I would sit there like at night and scroll through and like, oh my gosh, this kid. You could really go down a rabbit hole there on our website and look at all those animals. Yes. So I've been purposely staying off the website so I can't see any of the fosters. But I'm when that clocks the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve, everyone's going to be like, hey, happy New Year. Kiss, kiss. I'm going to be on the website looking for a new kitty to foster. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. That's (laughs) awesome. Two and up is our new. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Well, there there are so many ways, and and yeah. anybody can always reach out to me. Um, if you want to, if you want to call in like the like the woman I spoke with this morning and chat with me for about an hour, I'll. <laughs> I love it. It's uh, my number is six zero two eight eight. I don't have my glasses on. This is terrible. Um, <laughs> My number is 602-997-7585, and my direct extension is 2168. And I just love chatting about puppies and kittens and plan giving and what we do and and what we can do together. Perfect. And Tiffany, give us some information. People now are scrambling. They want, they're like, I want to get more information about plan giving. It's something they haven't understood before or something they've been thinking about but hadn't made, you know, made that decision yet, what's their next steps? I really think uh, no matter what industry, who you are, Plan Giving Roundtable is really a great place to start. And that website, again, is PGRT for Plan Giving Roundtable. So PGRTAZ.org. Our meetings are a phenomenal way to get to know other people in the community, to talk to nonprofits, whether you're a board member or a donor, uh, a concerned community citizen. It's a fabulous organization. And I just really encourage people to make sure that I love helping with gift planning and having gifts come about and financial outcomes happen for organizations. But I really think that everybody out there needs to understand if they want to give back, they can volunteer, but they could also be a board member. They could be part of an advisory board and share their expertise. They also have the ability, I think one of the strongest things that you can do out there for our community is find a cause that you care about and talk to other people about it. Share their mission, share their vision, and get other people empowered and lit up by that. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, I enjoy helping out at any um, stage of the game. Uh, My name is Tiffany House. Uh, My website is the Gift Planning, I'm sorry, giftplanninginstitute.com. And uh, you can reach me at Tiffany at giftplanninginstitute.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Um, had a great time having you in the studio. Uh, again, 
all this information, once this is turned into a podcast and published online, um, websites, phone numbers, things like that, how to connect with you guys on social, that will all be available. But if you're listening to this now, then hopefully you wrote down some of that information uh, to get in touch with both Tiffany and Lori. So thank thank you. you. Thank you. You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact. And we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. If you are a fellow change maker and want to build connections, create relationships, and collaborate with others to make positive change, join the online community built to support and engage people like you wanting to amplify their impact in communities around the world. Visit 3CAmplified.com backslash community to learn more. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline DeStremps with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a digital marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in your community. 